Hi, my name is Phoenix, and I am the host of Let's Talk Freely, a show about everyday conversations with everyday people. On today's show, we will have a panel that will discuss the death of George Floyd, the rising protests, and the one question that everyone's asking, will America change? Quick note, before we begin, this show contains some language and topics that may not be suitable for kids. Also, because the panel was not in studio, there may be some inconsistencies in audio quality. Thank you. On May 25th, 2020, we all watched in horror as a man by the name of George Floyd, who, who happened to be black, died at the hands of police officers. We can all still hear his last words, his last cry for his life, I can't breathe. And for some of us, the words, Mama. To the panel, please introduce yourselves, first name only, so that we may protect your privacy. Hi, I'm Kelly. Hello, good evening, my name is Beth. Hi, I'm Lala. Hi everyone, it's Jason. Hi everybody, my name is Mike. How's it going, I'm Rob. Okay, we've all probably seen the video the video of the death of George Floyd at the hands of police officers. My question to the panel is this. When you saw that video, what was racing through your mind? What did you think and how did you feel? Initially, my thoughts were of absolute disbelief, um, quickly turning into uh, Utter, feeling utterly horrified. Um, I had feelings of sorrow and dismay. It was just, um, it was just horrible. It's horrific. Um, um, and then I started to feel concerned, and I wondered how could this brutality continue? You know, it's like enough is enough, and you start to feel angry. You start to feel just like there's so much you know such a waste of a life so such a precious life and um we were the same age so like you had no control like all of our autonomy was taken at once in this single act that represents so much um inequality and discrimination and it just so much hate it just really you know it just tears you down so that's that's how i felt um initially for sure um, for me, I, I think the first thing that hit me was, was just the shock of seeing this video, um, of, of knowing that I was watching 
someone's life being taken from them in such a horrendous and horrific way. Uh, it was truly horrifying for me. Um, it made me angry um, because, you know, it's this is a, a, a systemic pattern with so many police police officers that, you know, if it was a one-time thing, it would be one thing, but it's not. It's a repeated history of offenses, uh, you know, against people and just infuriated me, you know. And then the fact that they weren't, like, arrested right away or, or you know, that delay um, was completely ridiculous to me, you know. And it's, you know, it's, once again, we're living in 2020, you know, I, these are not things that we're supposed to be dealing with right now. You know, the, the police and their use, use of excessive force has gotten way out of hand. And, you know, it's, it's, it's led to this movement and as horrible as these deaths are, the movement will hopefully provide lasting change that will prevent this from ever happening again. I couldn't believe it. I really couldn't. I was so upset for days. It upsetted my sleep. I couldn't eat. I was nauseous. Because I really couldn't believe that this was happening in 2020 or any, any time. Because that's one human being. And that's the way he was being treated. He was already in custody. He had handcuffs on. You know, it was not as if he was a danger to anybody at all. I, I just I, I couldn't understand it. I couldn't understand the training. I, I mean, the hierarchy, I presume, Shaving was the head of those four, and they were a team of some sort. I have no idea how they worked, but I just couldn't understand at what point any of those four guys, the other three, because obviously Shaving didn't, every time, every time George complained or every time the, the, the witnesses started to say something, he pressed harder on him instead of release and kept his hands in his pockets like i am in charge this is me and um it was it was terrible it was really i just and, and not only that though but it's also what happened afterwards the delay in the rest the delay and everything and the whole how the whole system goes you hear of other people getting killed by police you think well they probably deserved it or they were doing this or they were doing that but this, you couldn't, you couldn't argue that with that, those nine minutes. You actually saw it all in real time. There was no clips, there was no jump, no skip, no nothing. That is exactly how it happened. Oh, when I saw it on the, uh, when I saw it on, uh, on the internet, the, the most upsetting thing about it was actually, I wasn't upset. Like everyone else is about the disbelief and I get that, but I was, I was upset that I wasn't in disbelief. I wasn't surprised. It's like Charles Gambino said, like, this is America. Like, this is, I'm not surprised. Like, this, we've seen it happen before. Why would I see be surprised that it happened again? That type of, and, uh, uh, and then I waited, and like everyone said, the delays, like the medical examiner, uh, you read his report, he has on there cardiac, cardiovascular arrest. He does not mention, he or she, I don't know if it's a male or female, doesn't mention, uh, asphyxia asphyxiation at all. So it's like they were trying to absolve and like sweep it under the rug. Uh, that thing. And it's just like, same thing. It's like, yep, yep, that makes sense. That that makes sense. It's happened before it happened again. So that was like more upsetting for me is how like 
this feels normal for some reason. And that's not right. Initially, when I saw the uh, image, um, I was hurt. Um, it was devastating. It was traumatic. Um, I felt helpless. Um, I was in disbelief because um, I could not believe what I was seeing again. Um, somebody's life being taken by a police officer, not even knowing the details of what happened up until that point. I, I looked at what I saw at that moment. And the crazy thing about when we experience things like the, this, a lot of people like myself, we have our own personal experiences with police officers. So all that anger comes back. When we see stuff like this, it makes us reflect back on our own personal experiences. I had a personal experience with my son, with the police officer, and he was innocent. So this, this really, took, I really took this to heart. You know, I, I thank God that my son wasn't one of the first hashtags. And um, I, I could not understand what kind of human being could do something like this. I could understand if this man was, was doing something or out of control. But at the point when he was lifeless, for you continue to lean on his body, that's, that's, I can't understand that. And nothing can make me understand that. You know, honestly, um, you know, I feel like, I feel like Mike and I have the, we share the same sentiment. Um, you know, I, I wasn't surprised at all. I wasn't shocked at all. Um, because these type of things happen you know they've been going on in in front of the camera and been going on um without cameras for years you know in in the black community and so it didn't shock me you know i felt terrible i felt terrible watching it because you know um you know that's another it's it, for one it's a human life you know and um you know we should i don't care what your position is in uh in society we should all have a, a particular level of care for each other's lives you know um but i but i can honestly say i, I wasn't surprised very angry i could say i was angry about it um you know but uh you know and I, and also and also anytime you know not just with mr floyd but you know when i when i when i see that Oh, well, I'll just stick to him. When I saw that, I thought about, you know, my friends. I thought about my family. I thought about myself because anybody, it, any, that could have been any one of them. It could have been any one of my friends there, you know, for, for some minor, minor offense or no offense at all, you know? So, um, you know, that's, that's the, it's, it's, it's just unacceptable, completely unacceptable. But again, I, I would I would say I, I I wasn't I wasn't surprised, and and as Mike said, there's something wrong with that. It was horrific. I mean, absolutely. I I don't have words for it. I, I I really don't. I mean, I didn't have words for it then, and I don't have words for it now. You know, with with the death of George Floyd. And the way it happened. Do you all think that the policing system that we currently have, do you think it needs to change? I've heard people talk about disbanding the police department. In fact, defunding the police department. What do you all think 
Do you all think that the policing system that we currently have, do you all think that it needs to change? I agree with what you said about uh, defund that's part of defunding the police department, allocating those funds to something to help build the community. My idea of uh, trying to help change the uh, change things would definitely have to start with not the policies. It has to start with the people, the, the character of the people that are being hired. Because you can implement, there are policies in place. There are policies that will work if they're followed. But you have to have people with a, with, with a char with character, with the right kind of character and the right kind of compassion to do this job. Because if they're not, it, it won't happen. You can put policy after policy into place, but it won't work. One of the one of the things that come to mind what I thought about when I had this discussion with a friend of mine, we talked about, um, I sat down and I talked to my niece and I asked her, I said, are you familiar with Officer Friendly? She didn't know what I was talking about. I said, are you familiar with McGruff the crime dog? She didn't know who I was talking about. I said, have your school ever brought you to the police station so you could see the fire trucks and, and check out the fire engine? She knew none. She knew none of that. So I know back in the 80s, some of us may remember there was an officer that came to our school that was called Officer Friendly. Kids loved pol police officers. They wanted to be police officers. And Mr. McGruff was the crime dog where you weren't scared to tell a crime. If something happened, you weren't scared because you thought about Ms. about the uh, crime dog. So those are some of the things that we got away from that helped bridge the community. One of the things that I think that's very important because I've been talking to someone who's trying to uh, implement legislation to help with this. I gave him some ideas and some of the ideas I gave him was bringing some of those stuff things back to the school to help bridge the gap starting with the youth. Also for the uh, police officers to have mandated um, community service hours where you're logging what you're doing. You're going out there in the community. You're talking to people, nothing dealing with arresting, but getting to know the people in the community that you're policing. And I also uh, implemented that you should be living in the community that you're policing. Because if you're living in a community that you're policing, you'll think twice before you do anything like Derek Chauvin did. Because if Derek Chauvin was living in that community and he was policing people in that community, he would have a rapport with people in that, that community. And if he was doing police public service hours, people in that community would know him and would have saw the character of him before he had a chance to lean on De George Floyd's neck. So that's very important to me. And that is definitely some of the things that I have been um, talking about. And I'm going to make it a point to make sure I'm at town hall meetings so where I, I could stand up and talk about these kind of things. Because these are some of the things that need to happen. It's no more policies. It's just things that need to change where the community and a police uh, bridge uh, is, bri bri is bridged together, where they can work together and learn how to build trust with one another. Absolutely. We need to see some change. We need to take action and we need to take action now. I believe we need to uh, dismantle the systematic racism in policing, but also in all areas where racism exists, both in um, societal, individual, and within like institutional systems like the policing force. Um, they're there to, um, they're supposed to be there to protect us, protect the collective, but um, when you add uh, racial discrimination and all the brutality, you factor in only a small representation of the population that they're actually protecting. So I think definitely we have to do something to eradicate racism for sure. Um, okay, there's several things that need to happen. Um, the first is, yeah, 
I, I believe it was Lila's point about reallocating some of those resources um, to community improvement, improving community relations and, and, and so forth to help um, bridge the gap that currently exists right now between police and the communities they serve. Um, the second thing you need to do is you absolutely have to weed out any police officers with, with any kind of mental leanings towards aggressive behavior and certainly racism or xenophobia or any of those things. Um, because until we get those people out of their positions of authority, I don't see a lot changing, unfortunately. Um, so you've got to weed those people out. Um, you know, the, the other real issue is the fact that they're not held accountable for anything right now. Like, how many times have we already seen the same story where the police kill someone and nothing happens to them? And that is unacceptable. In the UK, they have a system where uh, the there's like an inspector general for the entire police force of the, of the country. And they maintain things of records of, of if there's been a complaint against an officer and they any excessive use of force and things like that. So I think that would be a huge step towards mitigating these things, creating, I don't know if you could do it nationwide, but you can definitely do it with the, every state with nationwide guidance, but some kind of a czar that, you know, for example, the cop that shot Rayshard Brooks had 12 different misconduct um, charges against him. Now, you know, I don't know what the correct number is, but 12 is way too many. So that kind of czar could say like, okay, if you get three, three um, misconduct charges against you, then you're off the force and you can never work in law enforcement again. But that's one of the real problems is even if someone gets dismissed from the job and no charges or results happen as a result, they just go to another town and join their police force and continue the same patterns. So we've got to have a national database where these records exist so that these people who continually do these offenses can no longer work um, in, in that field. And it's, it's sad to me because crime has fallen precipitously from its high point in the mid nineties. And yet there's been so many resources going into police departments and it kind of self you know, perpetuates this kind of attitude of, you know, like, I'm not a cop. I'm like, a, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm master of this domain and they're going to do whatever I tell them to do. And if they don't, I'm going to use excessive force. And we have to train de-escalation always. I mean, if someone's shooting at you, that's one thing. But none of the cases that have happened have, have been that, that circumstance. Yes, I totally agree. It definitely has to change. If the Senate or even, you know, the, the White House, the top of government really took this seriously. It, changes would happen very fast, but they're not, they're keeping quiet and therefore they're consistent to what's going on. You know, to tell protesters and rioters, we must take back control. They're your people, you need to let them understand and vice versa. Um, I don't know, maybe they need to spend two weeks with a, with a family of a different race 
as part of their training. I don't know, 21 weeks isn't a very long time at all. And then probationary can be any, any short space of time. They may not even get much in the way of a probationary period. When other countries are not like that. Um, I, I definitely feel like things need to change. Um, you know, one thing about the police is I feel is that there's little to none accountability. Like no real accountability. Like these the like what job do you know that you can just keep you can just keep messing up over and over and over again and never get fired? You know what I'm saying? Like what, what job do you know that you can just that you can be late for work every day and face and really face no reprimand? You know, at some point, it's 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 gonna get it's 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 just gonna get to a point where your boss is gonna come up to you and be like, "Hey, man, we can't have this anymore. You do this again, I'm gonna have to let you go." You know, and I feel like I feel like that I feel like police aren't held to the same standard as the you know the average citizen. I, I feel like they're not held to the same standard. They're giving this benefit of the doubt that you know that they're just beyond you know reproof that like you know the you know, officers are, are just, um, you know, that they can't do and that they can't do wrong or, or, um, you know, he, he, he swore an oath just because somebody swore an oath don't mean that they're going to uphold that, you know, don't mean that they even know what they're doing out there. Half the time these cops are going out here on the streets and don't even know the laws that they're supposed to be enforcing. So, you know, I think a lot needs to change with it. I'm not sure as far as abolishing police, um, as a whole, I'm not sure about that, but, you know, I think there definitely needs to be um, a complete overhaul and not just a department, but the police in, in this country as a whole. I don't know. There's just like this code of blue, right? Once you're a police officer, you know, you ain't, you quote unquote blue now. So you can do anything you want, anything you want to do, you know, you wrong, you know, I'm going I'm to have your back. I'm going to turn the, I'm going to turn the other way. I'm not going to, you know rat on my on my office on, on my fellow officer the only reason that 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 um that they're getting away with with this type of stuff is because they know that they know that that nobody's going to really come after them they know nobody's really going to come after them um and what and, and and just to add one more thing the 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 amaya arbery case really bothered me um i know we're talking about george floyd right now but the the cover-up the cover-up cover that that um that went on with that was 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 disgusting disgusting that that Ahmad Arbery was a was the uh was the gentleman that went out running and uh the 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 white guys came out and, and uh killed him but those 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 guys that at least one or one or two of those guys that killed him were ex-officers and the reason they didn't they didn't get charged the reason they didn't get charged um, like they did, like, um, excuse me, the reason they didn't get charged was because, well, just to back up, for those who don't know the story, the department, the local department had the evidence to, to charge these guys with, uh, with, with uh, murder and, um, you know, to, to, to prosecute them, right? But when they got up the chain, when they got up the chain to the, to the district attorney, the district attorney told them to chill out on it because he, he knew the guys, he knew one of the guys who was involved in the shooting. When we say systematic, it's systematic. It goes, it's, 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 it, it, it's beyond the, the department. If you have been, if you didn't have blue on, 
or you represent, you know, what with that that um that that the blue in the shield, you know, people let you get away with murder, you know, literally, because no nobody wants to seem like they're in the wrong. I to kind of piggyback on that real quick. Sorry. Um. Yeah, and the DA was clearly complicit with that whole thing of not bringing charges to the people that did it. Um, and the hilarious thing, not really, uh, that got them finally exposed, because this happened in February before COVID became what it is, um, is the fact that they had that video all along and their attorneys released it in, in the hopes that it would prove their innocence, but all it did was prove their guilt. Um, and there's, there's a bill that the Georgia house has taken up actually to disband that police department and rebuild it completely because they think there's no hope in, in reforming it. Um, well, I agree with Lala about the uh, cultural change because there are policies existing. So people have to implement the policy. So if you have people that do it, like I was saying before, the medical examiner seems like he or she was in on it. So if everybody's kind of, it, it really doesn't do anything. Uh, and I think someone mentioned about like, uh, how do you root out uh, the bad apples or how do you recruit better? And there are, I just found out like Harvard has the implicit bias uh, test that they give people that you can take. Anybody can take it online actually. I took one. <laughs> and uh, you can do it for anything. You can do it for like, uh, and everyone has a, you know, Every, no one's no one's perfect. Everybody has a little bit of bias. Like I took it, and I have like a small bias. Uh, it wasn't. I didn't do a racial test, but I, I did. I think gender bias. So like now I know. Like I've taken the test. Now I know. Now, you know. Now I can. You know. I can try to be better. You know. So I think that's something that can be done. Uh, the most important thing for me is data collection, because uh, how anything that can be measured can be improved. That's that's just my belief. And uh, uh, Barack Obama, six years ago, uh, started a task force to investigate police practices. And it wasn't until this year that they started to actually collect data on police shootings. So all the data we had before was just random people setting Google alerts and like in track of news articles. So that's not good. Like we don't, and then not even just shootings, but just, yeah, not even just shootings, but in general, like if, how many stops are done? You know, why are the people getting stopped? Because sometimes those shootings happen after unnecessary stops. We don't even know. So I would like to collect that data of police interaction so then we could just look at the numbers and like, this is, is this what we want to be doing? You know, what are we actually accomplishing? And then we could figure out, okay, you know, what should we do next? Because of the death of George Floyd, there has been mass demonstrations. In fact, so much so that civil rights leaders are now commenting on it. Civil rights leaders have been quoted as saying, these are some of the largest demonstrations for change that they've ever seen. That is, from the standpoint of the amount of diversity that they're finding within these demonstrations, different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different groups. I mean, it's just, it's just incredible. 
uh, and to some degree mind-blowing to see how people are coming together in support of change. So my next question is this. With the outpour of protesters in support of change, do you think America will change? Do you even think that America is ready for change? Yes, uh, absolutely. I support peaceful protests. I feel they're creating the awareness we need and the momentum we need moving forward to actually see the change. Um, I took my kids to one locally, three kids, and I think it was really important for them to see firsthand um, how they can make a difference, how they can um, impact and change um, the situation. And uh, so it was really important for me and even my son. He was getting tired after a while and I said, you know what, we grow the most when we're uncomfortable. Everyone here is so happy you're here. We're all happy here together trying to make a point and moving forward. And I think he really understood that when we, you know, you know, he kind of like stepped it up again because um, he was he wasn't complaining or anything. But it was just uh, for me as a parent, it was a powerful moment to teach my children that they need to not only be empathetic, but they need to stand in solidarity. We're all one. We all have the same common goal. And I mentioned this before, and it's love. We all deserve to be loved equally. And I absolutely believe we need to continue the momentum of these protests moving forward. I believe so, because when you think of um, solidarity, um, I feel like solidarity is defined as like a unity of agreement or feeling or action, especially among individuals that have that share the same interests and mutual support within a group. So these protests are showing that that people are coming together. You know, and when I look at the def definition of that word, that is what I saw. And I saw this in a protest. Now, with that being said, there are other ways to protest that um, we have to keep doing this. You know, that's my thing. We have to keep doing it. We can't let this be just a fly by night thing. And six months from now, when possibly everything is back open, near normal, we forgot about it. We have to continue to fight. And um, the other protests have to stand with us, not spending our money. Where uh, not just uh, where you know, not with just only blacks, but also people who support us, you know, and and that's how you that's how you you bring unity, you know. Spend money at businesses that that support us, you know. They don't have to be our color, but if they're supporting us, I don't have a problem spending. If they're treating me right, I don't have a problem spending. So we we got to do that, and and that helps us become unified because the more we we continue to to push the agenda of Black Lives Mattering. They, they, they keep, they misinterpret it, you know, and, and it's hard. we've tried over and over to explain to them what it means, and it doesn't mean that nobody else's lives matter. They're not getting that. So we need to promote more unity, I believe, to help, you know, everything come together. I think the protests are good because you see every color, every race, every ethnicity out there. You know, these people, are, they're fed up, you know, and um, I feel like, you know, I feel like it's working. I see, I see the world shaking up. I see, I see the change, and I believe, you know, um, continuous protesting and in other ways as, as a, you know, in addition to marching will definitely bring the solidarity we're looking for. I think it's amazing. Um, it's throughout the world. Um, started off very passionate, very angry. And obviously that cannot last 
a long term. I would like to see what they're protesting about. It doesn't get wavered from either. Um, you know, people are starting to put different things to it and spin it different ways. No, we must stay focused on the purpose of the protest from the start and um, not waver from that. I don't think that it's a long-term thing. It's a temporary thing. But what I would like to see from that is that people's action continue, that they don't just protest one Sunday afternoon and think that's their work done. They need to be lobbying their local politicians. They need to be making sure they, they are able to vote. They make sure that they speak up when they see wrong happening in their local area. Whatever they are, wherever they are, there is potential for them to be able to share the importance of things. So the privileged realize how privileged they are. What they take for granted is for granted and things like that. And, I, and um, the young people coming up, they have to learn as well. So I really want it to continue. The wave, the wave won't be as high, but it should still keep rippling um, throughout. I agree um, with the peaceful protest and everything that is happening with this movement. Um, it's something that had to happen because of the inequalities and injustices that were kind of baked into our country from the beginning and then made even more prevalent um, after the Civil War with Jim Crow and, and everything else that helped to suppress people's rights. Um, what I think you're finally seeing is that people are tired of people being stepped on. Um, we're in this boat, you know, we're all on this planet together. There's, you know, we're, we're trying, we should want to do and be the best possible person we can. And if we see someone or a group of people that's being harassed and, and beaten and killed, you it's not enough to be, you know, empathetic. You've got to go and you've got to support that cause um, because it's too important for humanity's survival. Um, love, just like Kelly was saying, like love is the true harbinger of things that bring people together. Um, you don't have to be taught to love. That's instinctive when we're born. But people are taught to hate. And if you can be taught to hate, you can be taught to love and untrain that hate that you have. So I think the movement should continue. I think they should def definitely continue at least through the election so that we can get rid of anyone who is not supportive of the cause that's in office now or is condemning the actions of a few and saying all protesters are the same? Uh, I think the protests are, if I look at it, the perspective of uh, shining light to an issue, it's great because it's on the news all the time now. Uh, and hopefully, uh, because whatever is on the news, whatever is on people's minds, and it's, I, I believe it is on people's minds since it's, it's, it's on the news 24 seven, uh, politicians will have to take notice. I think I pressed up on this last time is, and it's like, it's like, uh, Ab was saying as well, like if people are not just protesting, but come election time for local governments, if 
if people are still pushing this issue, you got you have to do those things. If people are are uh, pushing the issue and keeping eyes on the local government as well, you have to have both. And uh, it, because local governments, it's all about the votes. You want to keep your job. So if those two things continue to happen, if those things happen in the future, then it will work. If those things don't happen, this will, it's like, sorry to say, it will be all for naught. It will just be something that will be forgotten. But I, I do, I do, am, I am optimistic about it, though. <laughs> I'm pretty optimistic about it. So, yeah, I, can, I agree with the protests. I just, I, just, I, don't, I just don't want it to stop at just the protests, even though I think the protests are, are a catalyst for, you know, for, for other things. But I think we have to take it past just being in the streets, which I think is happening. You know, we're getting, leg, getting legislate, uh, legislation passed. And, you know, as Jason was talking about earlier, getting people who are in power now, who have positions of, in, in government, who uh, are not for the people, uh, out of office, you know, and really um, show the power of the uh, of our vote. You know, when the the power is in the people, as it, as it was once said. So, so yeah, I completely agree with the protests. This concludes part one of Change: The Death of George Floyd. Please join us on July twenty seventh for the conclusion on Let's Talk Freely, a show about everyday conversations with everyday people. Like cold November rain Like a man without a name Like a song without a refrain It's our fear without you 